0: Uh, I grew up in a place called Kenya, which is in the eastern part of Africa. And it was fun growing up, I must say. You know? I grew up in, a, in an easy environment, good neighborhood. There no big, I mean, no, no problems, you know. I have very fond memories of my childhood, very fond memories of the guys I grew up with. You know, some of those guys were still in touch. So, you know, it was fun.
1: Any, um,
0: any I don't know,
1: memories that stick out?
0: Uh, any memories that stick out, yeah, let's see. With, you know? with you and your buddies? Me and my ba- we used to play a lot of soccer, I remember. And then, uh, you know, the typical thing in the neighborhood, you know, you hit a window pane of a neighbor and then you <laughs> in a second everyone disappears. <laughs> and then the typical thing, and then let's see. You now I remember once, you know, we went to, we went to a dam, you know, like a typical Sunday excursion. And then, like, we have five of us buddies, you know, like, we, you know, we left our parents, and then, like, you know, went ahead in front of them. And then we went to a dam, and then we, like, we took a risky route because, you know, it's a slippery place, and then on the other side there was a water, you know, the, the, there was a dam, you know. And then they were not, like, we didn't have the rails. So if you sleep, you fall in there. And then they are, you know, you could see fish on this, on their side, you know. So like guys were, you know, making fun and then at the same time realized that this was, you know, this was serious. You know, if you sleep here, forget about you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then lo and behold, you know, one of the guys threw a stone, you know, in, into the water and then he slid. And then he hold, you know, he, he was holding his hands on the edge there. And then, you know, those are like the most difficult minutes of my life. You know? And then in the meantime, you're just thinking, you know, if you give me, a, I mean, if you, if you give me a hand, you're going to slid as well. And then two of you are going to go down. So but, you know, he was such a strong guy that he held himself there, and then he lifted his body, you not know, like holding his hand on the side. And then, wow, <laughs> heaved a sigh of relief, man. You know <laughs> what was his name? This this guy is called Aaron. He's married now, happily married, and working. He's an accountant. Barreno. You know, wow. Tough tough times, you know. Wow. But besides that, you know, good times. You know, high school, I remember. My school was very good in basketball and rugby as well. So I remember the championship, the cheering squad. Wow, you know, like, those were the good moments, yeah. And then I remember this final that we lost, you know. The final match, you know, our team against our team. But we were better than them. But, you know, those guys were more intelligent than us, I must admit. So they played, you know, they played us. It was a cover-up, but they always... (laughs) But, you know, good, good. Why, so I was talking to Peter,
1: and growing up for him, sports were huge, yeah. like had a huge impact on his life, you know, just That's all the true. memories of him and his buddies. Yeah. Why do you think in your country, sports are so big for young people, it's so important for them to be involved in sports? I think,
0: you know, this, time, this is something that has evolved over time, because, you know, your dad, you know, tells you that, you know, you know some of the best buddies I've had, you know, we met playing sports, you know you know, like in sports, you know, sometimes you might, you know, cross the guy in the wrong way, but, you know, you leave it, you know, leave it there, you know, you never carry on, you never carry on grudges, you never carry on beef, as they say. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's something natural, sports unites people, you know, sports is something interesting, you know, and, you know, yeah, I think it's just part of the human nature, you know.
1: Now, how about the makeup of your school's demographic-wise? Was it mostly Africans, mostly Kenyans or...?
0: Yes. I mean, so far by now, you know, you have schools that are mostly Kenyans. Mostly Kenyans. Yes, but you still still have many Brains in there and still have many more coming. Of late, Kenya has been like, you know, a favorite destination for some of the Europeans. And especially guys who are going to retire there, so they go there, you know, their grandsons come there over time as well, grandkids. But you know, you know, by and large, you know, the Kenyans, you know, they're majority. So you have we have Indians, we have Goans, we have you know, we have a lot of Somalis coming from their side. They look different, but you know. They, they there's this good integration, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. More often than not you don't find any tension, Yeah. So mm-hmm. speaking, of attention.
1: Was it easy for everybody to kind of get along, or were there ever like, oh, like you're from Somalia? United. No. No.
0: By and large, it was easy. Yeah. But you know, you have to understand that you know, in a society where people come from different places, where people have different ways of you know looking at life, you know, it's, it's inevitable to have a bit of you know, how can I say, you know, rubbing shoulders, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the Somalis are typically known to be, you know, to be highly highly tempered, you know. So the thing is that, you know, they come from from society with a lot of tension. So all of a sudden, integrating into a society where things are easy, more often than not, however much they try, you know, you get to realize, you get to notice. And then the good thing is that people also accept. You know, say, these guys are tough, you know. A tough upbringing, you know, have a tough life. Guys been seeing shooting ever since he was born, mm-hmm. and then over time, all of a sudden, there's a bit of, you know, of peace. The guys looking for, looking forward to the good old days. I don't. Know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I mean, besides that, you know, they are good guys. Hmm. Yes, and then also, you know, there's a bit of, you know, a bit of suspicion because you think, you know, more, more often than not, the guys who do the bombings. They are very intelligent guys, you know? So they're good guys, go back, they get ideal, I mean, they get a bit of indoctrination, and then after that, they, you know, they, they go and do funny things. Mm-hmm. So I think deep down, well, guys accept them, they realize these guys are good, but deep down, guys have a bit of suspicion. Hmm. Because you never know if these guys might go back there one day and then the next time, because it's something that has happened before. Hmm. But anyway, really, it's only something that you try as best to, you know, you know, to overlook. But, you know, these are realities on the ground. yeah, you have to live with it.
1: it it's interesting because you would think, coming from a country like Somalia that's, you know, ridden mm. with so much conflict, mm. that once you get out of it in a place like Kenya, you would be like, man, like, that's my past. I would mm. never want to. Hmm. experience that again but from what you've told me it seems like yeah. because they grew up with it it's almost something that they can't no. they can't get out or they're so used to it it's like what the heck is going on now like this isn't normal no, no, no.
0: you know you have to realize that you know people always say or some people say that east or west home is the best so you know how much far they are from their homeland you know their dads always tells them you know i look forward to the good old days in my home country you know so those guys, you know, deep down, you know, you know, they have a sense of loyalty to their country. You know. They can't, you know, they can't overlook that they are Somalis. So, you know, and something they live with. So anyway, they know that things are bad, but you know, they look I mean they look forward to, to going back to their country when things are peaceful of course. Yeah. But I mean the fact that this is their country, you know, you know, those are facts of the ground, yeah.
1: Now, did you go to college in Kenya
0: also? Yes, I did. Okay.
1: What did you study there?
0: I did finance and accounting. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Initially, I mean, to tell you the truth, it was just, uh, i say, a funny ton, ton of events because, you know, I was planning to do medicine or engineering. In fact, I was interested in doing that. I was never thinking of, you know, economists and all those things. But in immediately after that, you know, I went some of his career sessions, you know, like especially listening, you know, like the, to professionals. And then eventually, you know, like I say, why not give it a try? So I ended up doing finance. Which I liked a lot. You know, and, and you know and counting. Especially finance, you know, finance at all is like read, you know. Read for fun, you know. It's not like I'm studying for exams, I'm reading for, I had a lot, of, had a good time. And then immediately after that, in my final year, I was, you No, know, like I started doing the interviews for all the banks, you know, initially I was interested with in the investment banks, but most of the guys, yeah, I'd known some of the guys because I was doing like, I was interested in the, um, something called the investment challenge like for university students there. So i done, I've met some of the guys in the profession, I've gone to the stock exchange. So most of the guys are telling me, why not try, you know, like get a bit of experience, for example, in the audit farm, And then after two years or three years, you come back and, you know, you'll be better placed. Which I did. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was really good, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, the interviews, super long interviews for about three months by BWC. I got in, we got in like, I think like 30 guys. And the environment was very good because, you know, in there I met like guys, like the best guys, I mean, bad guys from their faculties, you know. Guys were very, like, very competent. Guys were very good sportsmen back in the days. So they're like, wow, you know, you guys, you know, five years down the line, we meet again, you know, like, <laughs> a reunion. So, in and then besides that, um, I mean, a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of, I got a lot of experience, you know. I tried everything, you know, I did with the industrial firms. I tried with the financial firms, you know, investment banks financial banks, you know, commercial banks, sorry. I know I did also with the, what is it called, the manufacturing companies. So like, you know, I tried every industry, you know. And then, you know, after that, I was like, you know, I was ready to, like, decide this is where I want to end up in, you know. This is, but anyway, you know, and then, like, a year later, you know, I I got an offer that I couldn't, I couldn't say no to, you know. So I was going to do philosophy in Rome.
1: Philosophy in Rome.
0: Hmm. So I mean I've always been very interested in philosophy. So anyway so philosophy and a bit of theology as well. So you know, I went to the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross. I met very good professors. So, yeah, I was there for three years. Very good experience. You know, had, you know, like, students from all over, you know. Had guys who'd been Marines. Had guys who'd been... Had one guy who'd, who'd been to Harvard. I mean, who studied history in Harvard. I mean, I had medical... I mean, we had different guys, you know? What was that like? It surrounded. was fun, you know? Yeah. It was fun because you get different points of view. You get guys who have a different way of looking at things. So the classes were very interesting, because, you know? And then the professors were very good. Remember what? The first guy we had, in, like the first class, was a guy who had a PhD in astronomy. And then after that, you know, you got another PhD in theology. And he was a deender priest, of course. Well, not of course, but, you know, he was a day in the priest. So he was giving us classes, uh, you know, like science and faith. You know, like this is, it's not like the church stuff, you know. He was saying, you know, this is what, you know, this is what I think, you know. You can say no if you all want. Mm. But this is, you know, you know, we are not like faith on the side. You know, this is not like the doctrine of the Catholic church. Let's reason it out, which is very interesting, you know. Mm. Because, you know, you sit down and, you know, the guy knows what he's saying, you know. But at the same time, it's humble enough to listen to your views, you know, give his opinions about it, and then even sometimes consider your views whenever he thinks that they're more, you know, and so, look at things from a point of view. So I think that is
1: huge when hmm. two people can have a conversation. They both may have different views, but they're willing to listen to each other. That's true. What do you think are some of the keys to make a conversation like that happen? What are some ways that people can prepare themselves? I think one
0: interesting thing is the capacity to listen. Because, you know, this is something that, you know, you might take it for granted, most people don't know how to listen. More often than not, you talk to somebody, you realize that in the meantime, this person is thinking, oh, the next argument is going to bring about, to bring across or bring, you know, onto the board, without having listened to what you say. So more often than not, you find two people, you know, like, saying the same thing, you know, like, ten times, you know, because they are not listening to each other, you know. Everyone, like wants to bring up his own point of view without listening. And, you know, there's something also that Stephen Covey, you know, brings it across in a very interesting way. And then besides that, you know, I think, you know, you have to be humble enough in life to know that, you know, you'll always learn something, you know. If you know, you get yourself, you know, sit down, listen to what other people are telling you, you'll understand something. You'll get something from it, you know. It'll never be a waste of time. And especially when you have people who know such a good caliber, you know, like discussion, different points of view. So, you know, they have different points of view because there's something that moves them to other different points of view. So you listen to them, it's very enriching, you know? You say, wow, you know? And be humble enough to say even sometimes that, you know, I've never thought about it, you know? Let me think about it. You are right That's something interesting, you know? You are right. Something interesting, even for marriages, you know? Listening to somebody say, I'm sorry, you know, you're right. I didn't see it way, you know? Anyway, Yeah. too much hogwash.
1: So no, no, that was, that was fantastic. <laughs> So, studied mm-hmm. philosophy in Rome for mm-hmm. three years, right? Mm-hmm. And now, what are you studying in Pamplona, Spain?
0: Now, I'm doing a doctorate in canon law. And then I call it, you know, I call it.
1: Now, what exactly could you explain that to Because I, I don't know what that is. I uh, bet okay. There's a lot of people that wouldn't know what That's that true. is.
0: That's true, you know, like law, you know, that, let's say, each state has its own law, you know, what we call. Um, you know, like the law, the constitution of the United States, the constitution of Germany, the constitution of, you know, Spain, for example. So more or less, or, you know, by and large, each and every country has like a code that guides the order of the, you know, how the society works, you know, to organize the society. Some are more organized than others some, you know, are better place than others, in some things or others, because there's something that changes. Sometimes you hear people say, wow, this is bad, drove us away, you know, the things about homosexuality, this is, you know, we are losing it. So, in you know, all these things have to do with how, you know, how the society is organized and how the legislators want to organize the society because, you know, they have the power to make laws at the end of the day. So, besides this, the church which is the only other institution besides the states has its own law which has been there since uh, you know, has been there for so long but like, you know, since the 10th century it's been like there are a lot of organization ever since you know, and up to date you know, like the last like big time changes we had it in the second Vatican Council which is in the 60s so that means in the the law of the church by itself, it's like huge. It's humongous, you know. So I, didn't, and you know, yeah, it's huge. Is that a law contribution to the law in the in the rest of the world? Like you see this, you see this comes from this pope. This comes from this, you know, canon lawyer. And then besides that, the church, of course, has borrowed a lot. For example, from the Roman law, especially. So you know, and then the church is always like dealing with states. I mean, the Catholic Church. So it's only, like, dealing with states. So anyway, you know, there's a lot, a lot to learn there. And then most often than not, you see some of the states coming up. You see there's, like, the corruption of the fundamental, you know, fundamental, like, rights or the you know, the fundamental guidelines that should be there for human beings, you know. So when you do away with that, like, you know, you start... You spoil the society, you know? You know? And that's why some... Sorry, sorry, and then I finish this. That's why sometimes you say, you know, this is very human. This is very human. That means deep down in the mind, we have our own conception, or we have an objective conception of what is human. And that's why even sometimes we say, these are, you know, crimes against humanity. Because what is human, you know? So that means there's a law. The guy is what is human. And people don't sit down and say, hey, this is human, this is bad. It's something that is ingrained in us as human beings. And then you say, no, you cannot just, you know, go there and kill anyone, you know? You have to respect life. You have to respect the right to associate with friends, with anyone else. You know, the dignity of the human. Those are like basic things that, you know, we take for granted up until now that they're not so for granted, you know? Because you realize sometimes, you say, wow, you no, know, I thought that these people understand it, but not." Yeah. Yeah. So what
1: about, like, <laughs> we'll take gay marriage as an example. Yep. Is there a law that either governs or doesn't govern that, that the Catholic Church has? Or does it depend on <laughs> the states or where, where the Catholic Church is positioned at or stationed at? Could it be different in a state in America than true. a place in, you know, Spain?
0: That's right. Or is the law good, good, universal? Yeah. Good, interesting question. The thing is, first of all, like I said, their fundamental rights, those don't depend on the state. They never depend on the race, on the territory where you're placed. So those, you know, we can call them divine law, you know? So one thing that, you know, the Catholic Church, like in its code, then said, this is what you're going to treat the gays. You know? Because, you know, the conception of marriage, what is marriage in the Catholic Church is between man and woman. You know? A union between, you know, it's not a marriage. A union between a man and a man is not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not marriage, you know? So, I mean, marriage for, you know, for Catholic Church, say you no. Know, this is an institution that is very important, you know, which is indissoluble, you know, and that's why, you know, this is something that the Catholic Church had defended so much. It's interesting, you know, I yeah. hope I'm not, like, boring with this, but, you know, yeah. like, in the time of Henry the, the Eighth, England, just by the mere fact, you know, that the king wanted to marry another wife, and the people were know the Church saying, you know, you know, that, you know, what God has united, no man should break. You know, the church lost England, the entire England, you know. So, you know, at that point, some people would say, you know, just like, you know, just let it go, you No, know? What does it matter, you know, between a man and a woman? What does it matter if he gets a wife? But, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church says that, like, it's not me to decide, you know. This is something that has been given to me. So, you know, I can let you go. I I lose you for 400 years. But like after 400 years, like, you will come and say, wow, you're right. The other thing is, I might say, you come here. And then I spoil you. It's like a typical family, you know. Your dad tells you, you know. Your dad might have two options, you know. Either tells you that what you're doing is wrong, or he says, let it go, just let it go. He lets it go, you know. And then 10 years down the line, you know, it sees you ruin, you know. He sees you going down the drain. Hmm. Or the other option would have been to say, you know, like, you know, you know, that is wrong. You get annoyed. He tells you again, that's wrong. You get annoyed. But eventually you say, wow, dad, you're right. So, like, that, that, that's what the church, I mean, that's what the church, like, you know, is a custody of all that, you know. The church is not like, I'm not giving a law. This is something that I received from Christ, you know. It's something that even by only reason you can, you know, you can achieve to this. But just, yes, you know. I know we are weak, we are human beings. But you just go wherever you want, just do whatever you want to give your law of liberty. But at the end of the day, you come back, you realize where the truth was, you know. So like this is a pillar, you know. I'm not going to I mean I mean I'm not going to you know, throw away this pillar. I'm not going to kill this pillar, you know. This pillar is gonna be there. So what would your,
1: and this will be my last question on that topic, what would your response be to someone that says, I think it is a divine right hmm. for a man to be able to marry another man or a woman to be able to marry another woman? Because a lot of people do think hmm. that. Well, What would your response to them then be?
0: You know, first of all, you realize that, you know, That you know, sorry, they look at marriage. Let's look at the positive side first. Between a man and a woman, you realize, sorry, you realize that, you know, it's ordained to procreation, you know, and it's ordained to, you know, like the mutual development of the couples, you know, that they take care of each other. And you look at the human nature as well, you know. You know that a man and a woman complement each other. It's like, like Paul, you know. Like Paul's don't attract, and like poles do. So it's something interesting, like for a start, you know. And then the other thing, you know, just look at research, you know. You know how many like you see millions and millions of people come out and say, you know, that you know I grew up with a gay family. You know, I thank them for what they did to me. But you know, I'm ready to go out there and help people. You know, realize that you know, you know that you need a mom and a dad. You know, because you learn something from mom, you learn something else from a dad, from from the dad. You know, and that's why they complement each other. It's not like you there, you know, and then you also realize, you know, research shows that. I mean, just pure research without any, you know, like any, you know, somebody guiding it or something that you know the people grow up in you know in good families where the dad is caring the mom is caring you know they have higher chances of living happily thereafter you know otherwise you know you get people you know like in this kind of situation you know i mean without i mean i'm not blaming them you know not at all i know you know they find themselves in such situations but you know you know, they have many problems later in life, you know. Getting to marry again, you know, divorces and all kind of things. And then besides that, you know, on the other side also, like, another argument. This, this one guy, I forget his name, but, you know, he's done a lot of research about, you know, helping people get out of, you know, that problem, that situation of gay. He says, you know, like, one day he saw, you know, some, like, two of his clients, you know, they were walking, you know, along the streets. You know, I was trying to help. These were buddies. And both of them were on the sections. I was trying to help them. And then after that, like, the two of them were just walking down the street. You know, and then they saw, like, like two very super pretty girls, you know. And then these guys looked at, and looked at them, you know. And then these guys, you know, one of them looked at the other and said, wow, it's times like this that I wish I was normal, you know. You know, because I mean, you know, the, the natural thing is that a man be attracted to a woman. It could be, they even say that sometimes that you never had a father, you know, that a male, male figure in your family, you grow up only with your female figures. Chances are that, you know, you might end up, you know, in life looking for that male figure. The other situation could be pure influence, you know, it could be the, you know, the environment you grew up in. But the natural thing is that a man gets married to a woman. That's a natural thing. Anything besides that, it's not normal. And, you know, there are reason thousand and one reason, you know to say, wow, you know, this is not working out. This is not normal, you know. You know, um, the happiness, I think, which is the most important thing. Man is called to happiness and, you know, seeking God as well. And, you know, you see, man, this... They didn't say, like, you know, one thing is that... Like, 90% of all, of all this, you know, like, don't get... I think 99% or something like that. It's like the internet, like racism and that. Like the, like, gay gay, gay gay unions, they'll get beyond five years, you know. So it shows you something wrong about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd
1: have
0: to look that, that stat up. <laughs> so, yeah. you
1: made... Quite the jump. Mm-hmm. Going from a career in finance, accounting, mm-hmm. working for a professional services firm, yeah. to studying philosophy and canon can law. Am I yeah. pronouncing it correct, yeah. correctly? Yeah. In law.
0: yeah.
1: Why... And it looks like you're enjoying what you're doing now. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Why was that transition so easy for you? And why did you want to make that transition?
0: I think, you know... I must say thanks to, you know, the good environment. I've been really close to very guys, very good. You know, friends, my friend, like my same age, and guys were older than me. I have really learned a lot from them, you know. Like, um, I remember like it's back in Strathmore, my university. You know, that guys were very competent, you know, competent in, you know, accounting and the stuff, very prestigious. And then, you know, besides that, you know, like, they tell you what is important in life. They not only teach you, like, you know, like, the practical part of it, which is very good. You have to be very, you know, a good professional, you know, very, very, you know, doing your work very well. I mean, that you're going to compromise on that. But besides that, people have to be taught about life, you know. What are the important things in life? You know, the other day I was just reading an article. The lady who was, I think she was a CFO of Lehman Brothers, just before Lehman Brothers fell. you know. So this lady says, you know, she was a typical, very bright. you know, she was playing tennis for the university, and then gets in there, forgets about everything, just career, career, you know. Now she's 50, 50 50-something, and then telling people, please, don't follow my path, you know. I got all the money in the world, but I lost something very important, which is family, you know. Now I can get a kid, I'm adopting a kid, and I'm going to dedicate my entire life to this, you know. It's a drastic change, but, you know, it's never too late to start, you know. So, you know, like, you know, would tell you that, well, whatever you're doing is important. It's good to be there but also the other important things, you know. Your family is very important. You can't think that I'm going to get all the money for my family and they'll be happy. They need to see you, (laughs) you know. They need to see you. So those are things that are interesting. And I remember most of my colleagues, you know, one of the worries that I have is that, you know, because, you know, those guys, you know, yes, I mean, they earn a lot of money. They drive in the coolest cars and they're going to be doing that. But no, what about their life, you know? And then, like, typical sad guys were saying, wow, you know, what a pity, you know. What a life. Hmm. So, you know, yeah. So, you know, I think, I mean, you know, I was lucky to be next to good guys. Great guys, I mean. Nothing of that side has been my own marriage. But, you know, just, just next to good guys. That has been, like, the best thing for my, yeah. I mean, the greatest thing, you know. You
1: yeah. know. So... A question... First off, our talk has been great. Mm. Thanks for sharing all your thoughts with me. A question I like to always end on. Sure. Um, you've met a lot of different people. Sure. You've been in a lot of different parts of the world.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in regards to kind of race, culture, mm. dealing with those different types of people, can you finish this sentence? Mm. I'll never forget the time when... And it could be from when you were just a little kid at knee height, or yesterday. But finish that sentence, I'll never forget the time when.
0: Well, I mean, talking about race and all that thing. Well, my story is positive because at least that's what comes to mind. I remember, well, I got to know, he passed on a few years ago. This guy is called Kevin Obama, just Irish. And this guy, you know, he was a member of Opus Day. I don't know whether you know Opus Day. Yeah. you heard about Opus Day. Yeah. So, you know, this guy, before John Opus Day, you know, the guy who talked to him about Opus Day was told, you know, just look for the best guys in the campus, you know, look for the best sportsman. Look for those guys who influence people, you know, the guys who, who really call the shots, as they say. So, you know, this guy went. And then he went to this guy who was doing civil engineering, the captain of the rugby team, good golfer. I know. Very interesting guy, loved by all the guys. And then he found the guy playing pool, you know, like the pool table. And then he talked to this guy, he told him, you know, have you ever thought of you know of giving your life to God, you know? Or better say, you know, like Helping other people, you know, come closer to God, you know. Doing whatever you do and then at the end of the day offer it out to God. And then this guy said, you know, this is what I've been looking to. You know, this is what I've been looking forward to in my life. Well, I was lucky enough to meet this guy. I met him when he was pretty pretty sick. He was suffering from cancer. And then the best thing in my life, or the best part, you know, I went for the requiem mass when he died and then the, you know, the place was just packed, you know. This guy had spent years, you know, he went to Africa, you know, he started school, he started his own farm, you know. And then one of the guys who gave the testing on, you know, this guy was his, was, his, was his student. And then besides that, they used to play rugby together. They had a team, you know, and both of them even played for the national team. And he say that this guy, you know, was like a father to me, you know. You know, this guy, he was there when I was getting married. This guy was always there for the first communion of my kids. This guy was there for the first communion of my grandkids. You know, this guy, I'm who I am because of this guy. You know, and then I thought, you know, I said, Damn, you know, this is true friendship, you know. These are the guys out there to help you, you know, you know, like without expecting any reward, you know, not letting himself be cut short by, you know, you know, the differences of race, differences of looking, looking at things, intellectual capacity, you know, background or whatever, you know, or many other factors that might come along the way and then you say, you know, just forget about it. This guy you know saw this guy and say you know this is a son of God you know this is a brother of mine you know and who am I to any like to come you know to be an obstacle to you know at all I should be an instrument to help him be whatever I can be you know to, to achieve his potential you know so you know I think you know those are like the many good testimonies of a guy like that you know Guys, you go, you go to places, you say, wow, this guy's left a mark, you know. And then, you know, you say, what did he get in return? He was a happy man, you know. The happiest thing, you know, is to help a brother, you know. You say a brother helped my brother, you know, it's like a strong city, you know. Nobody can bring in there, nobody can break it. So anyway, that's it, man, I don't know anymore. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank anytime, you. anytime.